0: Welcome in to the PFF NFL podcast. Steve Palazzolo here with Sam Monson. We're reviewing week five. Yeah. Week five of the NFL. How you doing, buddy? Doing good. How about you, Steve? Doing all right. Yeah. <laughs> Just trying to get my um, psychedelic computer to uh, work. Yeah. Just needs to be tilted at the right angle. Mm-hmm. And left alone. No, and no. you hit the table and kind of threw it off. Apparently. Yeah. Just before. Yeah. And they're giving us the 15-second countdown, and right. I'm panicking. Your, your trying screen to... has gone black. Yeah. Nothing on it. We got it now. We're good. Okay. We're good. We're going to go through all the week five action. Yes. It was, uh, there were some surprises. There were. This week. I don't think not as many as... I mean, every week is just new stuff happens. Well, Crazy was, stuff happens.
1: This was really interesting because there were a couple of games that went you know, completely different from the way you anticipate them going. Like every week there's results that end up different, but more or less the game kinda of panned out as you thought it would. There sure. were just a couple of plays here and there. But this there were a couple of games where like start to finish they just didn't they didn't make sense compared to what you thought was gonna happen heading into them.
0: All right, let's start with Thursday night football, because this was a really good game as far thirty to twenty nine, Seattle Seahawks beat the Los Angeles Rams. I think there's a lot to unpack in this one. Uh, As we speak right now, Russell Wilson has moved into the top spot in the PFF quarterback grading, and this was one of the best games we've seen um, in our grading as far as just straight-up throw for throw. I think he may have missed one, maybe missed one throw. Big-time throws left and right, including one of the best throws we've probably ever seen. Yeah, back of the end zone to Tyler Lockett. looked like he was throwing it away, but when you look at it, it's like, no, he literally just put that in the one spot where Tyler Lockett could catch it. That was fantastic. It's
1: kind of funny. There was, you know, uh, Sunday night football. We get to see Mahomes again. He makes a couple of crazy, bizarre, you know, weird mechanics throws, and it was like, "Is there any other quarterback in the NFL that can do this?" Well, well Russell Wilson did one, yeah, like a
0: Thursday. You know, well, one of the ones that they were asking about Mahomes. Can anybody else do this? He actually was in a clean pocket drifted out of it and threw it on the run i was like actually anybody can throw that because they would probably just stay in the pocket and throw it right but yeah
1: but that was yeah crazy throw crazy catch as well tyler lockett in the back of the end zone was. it's was one of those plays where real time you think there's no earthy way they've got feet down it's, it's not a catch yeah and it's only when you slow it down replay like wow yeah actually a that was in the only place possible to catch it and b he really did get both feet down that was pretty incredible
0: uh, one of the big narratives coming out of this now is that, okay, the Rams aren't running the ball like they were last year. And, you know, Jared Goff has been more inconsistent, which he has been. I mean, he had some, I think it was four turnover-worthy plays in this game. Um, So he had some, some bad ones in there, but he also had a lot of good ones. Can I, at a macro level, can I say Russell Wilson playing one of the best throw-for-throw games we've seen, Jared Goff being a little bit above average, but the fact that Russell Wilson only threw the ball 23 times plus a few more scrambles and the fact that Jared Goff, you know, pretty much had the ball in his hands, 49, 49 attempts to me. So everybody's going to look at these things differently. They're going to be like, oh, the Rams lost because they didn't run the ball. I look at it as because they threw the ball so much with a slightly above average quarterback play. That's why they were in this game and had a game winning field goal opportunity, whereas Seattle. When you have Russell Wilson playing as well as he did, you put the ball in his hands and you score 60. Instead, they put the ball in Chris Carson's hands, who had some beautiful four- and five-yard runs. I mean, beautiful four- and five-yard runs, but your quarterback was averaging three times more than that per attempt. That's that's part of the issue,
1: I think, with the run-pass balance. Carson played really well gained 118 yards, 116 of which came after contact. Yeah, it
0: was, it was great. I mean, it was outstanding running back Here's, play. Though.
1: So what's very difficult to do is to – it's the chicken and the egg thing, right? It's if uh, Russell Wilson only has to pass the ball 23 times, he's capable of going 17 or 23 for 268 yards, four touchdowns, and basically is perfect, right? Mm-hmm. But the narrative is always when we ask him to crank that up, to Jared Goff levels, 49 pass attempts, etc. It doesn't happen. That's when he's not at his best. He doesn't have that same level of efficiency. efficiency, and things go south. Now, it's very difficult to say, well, okay, is that the cause of that, or is, you know, you just has, didn't have a... If you'd asked him to pass 49 times in this game, would he have had the same level of efficiency or similar? And the Seahawks' response to that is, no, we don't think he would. We think he's only able to play at this kind of level when he's got the run game, uh, backing him up, when we don't ask him to do as much as we need him or as much as we would need him to do in that scenario. Whereas we would kind of say it's like the uh, the low sample size situational pass, rus- pass rusher stuff. It's like, I mean, maybe he can't do it with the bigger workload, but you kind of owe it to yourself to find out because if he can, it's way more
0: valuable. And they, But they feel like they found out. There have been stretches of his career where they put more on his plate and I think here's the thing. Like, yeah, so if you if Wilson had, say, 15 more pass attempts, chances are he's not going to grade at 96 the way that he did. It's very tough to sustain right. that level of play. He's going to miss a few more throws. You might take a few more sacks. might even put the ball in harm's way and turn one over. I think the thing is, so Jared Goff played an uncomfortable, inconsistent game that led to 29 points that should have probably been 32. Right? It was an uncomfortable game. So the uncomfortable games passing the ball a lot, where it's like, man, you missed this one, you missed that one, we fell behind the chains on this this one or that one, still led to a whole bunch of points.
1: They did, but then it's also very hard to, um, well, no, it's very easy to, but you shouldn't forget about the turnover-worthy plays that could potentially have made that look an awful lot worse. Like, late I in that game, yeah. I was texting you, I was like, why is Jared Goff trying to throw interceptions?
0: That was the old multiple plays. misread of cover two, like you
1: showed a Cal. Right, and multiple plays where the ball is left inside, basically towards a defender rather than the receiver he's aiming at right like if you know if two of those get caught it's looking a lot worse and suddenly he's not even you know it's not close the Seahawks end up walking away with that with a couple of late scores because the Rams just turned the ball over a couple of times
0: that's fair a lot of people pointed to the fourth and one just before the half uh the Seahawks kicked the field goal and I forget who it wasn't our guys who actually ran the numbers on this but um there was some other breakdown. It might not even have been this game, but it was essentially what is the percentage chance of hitting a field goal versus no, it was. They actually, converting the fourth yeah. and one. And it's just percent. it was just percentage chance. It wasn't even like, by the way, if you convert, convert the fourth right. and one, you've got this chance of scoring a touchdown, which is twice as much as a field goal. But just the percentage of converting a fourth and one versus kicking that field goal. And Pete Carroll went with the risky field goal, which everybody thinks is safe.
1: Yeah. They, so, you know, Belichick came out a couple of weeks ago and was asked how much analytics plays a part in these decisions, said less than zero. Less than zero. I suspect with him, there's a degree of, you know, tongue in cheek comment there. Whereas I think Pete Carroll is probably true. I think he is operating a hundred percent by gut feel seat of the pants. This is what I think through my years of experience is the right thing to do. I There's never been a number go near me when it comes to these conversations, Yeah, um, which is interesting because- We talked about Doug Peterson before. Frank Reich makes an incredible call last night in Sunday Night Football. Again, the numbers back him up as being right. Uh, John Harbaugh has had a couple of the past couple of weeks where it's like, yep, absolutely, numbers tell you that's the right call. Everybody is kind of saying, well, why did you do that? He basically comes out and says, Do your own homework. The math says that's the right move. Right. Pete Carroll's just out there going, You know what? Back in nineteen ninety-seven I would have gone this
0: way. So I I'm think to still go that way. He's going more based off of my emotions and this guy's doing this and that guy's doing that. And a lot of coaches talk about, hey, I need my gut to be involved there. And but even- I genuinely don't
1: even think he's aware of the numbers. Like oh, other I people agree. other I people I think would do the same thing where they're like, All right, the numbers say this, but Because of these sort of intangible things that are happening in this game right now, I'm going to go the other way.
0: I keep coming back to... He doesn't even know. You know, Eric says this. I've said this for a while, too. Like, when you are... When you're the defensive team... First off, I tweeted last night, like, stop celebrating third down stops against the uh, Eagles and Colts. Right? You make a third and one stop, and everybody's like, yeah, fourth down! And it's like, guys, they're going to go for it, by the way. You got to stop them again. If the defense doesn't want you to go for it, then... You should probably go for it. If the defense is breathing a sigh of relief, right, that you're kicking a field goal, then you should probably go for it. So anyway, the Seahawks missed a field goal. The Rams um, drive down the field, score a touchdown just before the half. That was a game changer too. So again, I I just want to say at a macro level, Russell Wilson played outstanding. Yeah, The pieces around him, him and Chris Carson both played outstanding, Mm -hmm. you know, and just felt like a game where when you have that type of performance, you should be scoring 45 or 50 points, right? So I don't know. We'll see what happens with that. Um, but Seattle, you know, looking pretty good yeah. in the NFC West right now. They are,
1: um, which is interesting because I think a lot of people expected them to fall off this year, given how good the Rams were last year. The 49ers have obviously been the surprise so far this season. Um, and Seattle is still right in there. Wilson would be our MVP as of right now, I believe. Based on war?
0: I haven't seen the WAR numbers, but based off how I know it's calculated, okay, um, on a play-by-play basis with volume being a factor, I think Wilson would be the guy. Um, he's our highest graded quarterback. I think that's that would be it. Plus, when you look at the fact that the old line around, like the the pieces around him aren't great, that's a factor as well. Like if you were trying to put Brady in the MVP conversation, you'd be like, wow, he's got this. All of his teammates are doing great. They're going to share wins essentially. Aaron, Aaron Donald against that offensive line is still an absolute bloodbath. Oh yeah, he was still
1: he was still outstanding. Again, the but guy. By the way, so as much as you know, Donald before has been twenty odd sacks from an interior position. This year, he's going to end up having like a million pressures and like four sacks over the season. Brandon Graham. Yeah. Sorry, I didn't quite. Get wow, you. we got Siri on the show.
0: Yeah, huh. Siri just started talking randomly. Okay, untouched.
1: Is she listening? Are you are you spying on me? Maybe we time. should have Siri recap yesterday's action. Well, they keep advertising that on one of the shows, right? Isn't it Monday Night Football? It's like, hey, you want to know more of football? Hey,
0: Siri, tell me about the Rams and Seahawks. The Seahawks should have passed more. The Rams meet the Seahawks on December 8th, 2019, at eight twenty p.m. Oh, huh. they got a rematch on Sunday Night Football. How there about that? Can't wait for that game. Thanks, Siri. Huh. Yeah, we're live and very professional. What are you doing? <laughs> Stop it.
1: Unexpected guest, Siri, on the show.
0: Should I prop her up? Yeah, why not? Let's yeah.
1: just let's have her as a feature.
0: It's a picture of Harry. I mean, uh, Teddy. Teddy, yeah. That's Teddy. That's number yeah, two. Get the right one. Let's get cake on. on his face. All right, anyway, Seahawks looking pretty good. So that was Thursday. Let me just come back to the Rams really quick. we got really Sunday qu- to get through. Let me just come back to the Rams really okay. quick. A lot of people are saying, hey, it's the run game, right? The passing game. It's An uncomfortable passing game has led to them scoring like 29 points, 33 points the last two weeks. The defense has been a disaster. The reason why the Rams aren't running the ball is because they don't have the fourth quarter to run the clock out right now. Big part of it. That's why. That's a big part of it. For sure. Also, remember that offensive line has not been good. And the offensive line has not been good. So they've got some some things to do. All right, let's go through the Sunday slate. Where do you want to start, Sam? Uh, Let's go with one of the weird games. So... Um, what are you calling weird?
1: Games that didn't go the way they should have gone. Let's They're- start with Sunday Night Football, because that was maybe the okay. most bizarre game. Um, the body blow game. The body blow game. To be Yeah, to be fair, there was a pretty significant degree to which this game hinged on Patrick Mahomes being quite significantly hobbled multiple times. Well, for um, sure. You know, had already injured his ankle earlier in the season, re-injures it in the game, then re-re-injures it when... Cameron Irving ends up stepping on his wrecked ankle, which I'm sure didn't help. Uh, But this game was really impressive by the Colts. If you were sort of um, conjuring up a method by which the Colts win this game before, you would have been like, look, there's four or five things that need to go right for Indianapolis to win this game. All of them broke their way, including like Patrick Mahomes getting kind of hobbled and, you know, therefore not being 100%. Right. Oh, absolutely. Um, But they did this fascinating job on defense where, you know, they're kind of, They're down personnel. We got a lot of people injured heading into this game. Um, And remember, we
0: talked about why aren't they playing more man? Right, they did it.
1: They did over sixty percent of the time. Yeah, but they mix up those coverages as well. They played a lot of man coverage. With them, would shift into zones. Just stay or were multiple enough to keep the uh, Chiefs' offense kind of on its toes. Um, They. Also got some pass rush. They were able to beat up on the Chiefs' offensive line at times. Justin Houston had the revenge game that Khalil Mack wasn't able to get. Right, um, but they also got random big plays out of people at, at really key times. Jabal Sherrod uh, had a big play. Grover Stewart shows up with a sack at a key time. Like they were able to get these huge plays. Poor old uh, Kamoko terre has another great game mm-hmm. and hurt in limited snaps, like we talked about last week. Looks like a guy that was earning that Cameron Wake larger role and then looks to absolutely wreck his ankle unfortunately which is going to put him out for some significant time.
0: And then on the other side, you know, people always say, okay, when you have the great offense, keep them off the field. The we always say the the struggle with that is you're not even if you do the best job running the football, you might steal an extra possession throughout the game. At some point you have to put up points, but the Colts you talk about drawing up a game plan if you knew you can get the type of run-blocking effort that they got from the offensive line, and again, Chris was like raving about Quentin Nelson, and he was right, yeah. yes. I mean, he was destroying people. Um So everybody on the offensive line had excellent run-blocking grades, including Jack Doyle, um, outside of maybe Mark Lewinsky. So they were all just doing a great job up front, right? If you know that you're going to get that, if you know that you can dominate in the trenches and literally pick up four or five per pop, I mean, that that's helpful yeah that that does have value and
1: we did we talked about this last year right that is i think a really good way to frustrate these high octane passing offenses to just keep them off the field and even if they score immediately in their drive you're gonna pick one up eventually because something you know there's gonna be one drive where it does not click and they they go three and out or they go you know they, they don't score um and if it happens a couple of times suddenly you're in business cuz you've kept that entire offense on the on the sideline for a ridiculous portion of the game. There was a period yesterday where they flashed up the time of possession. I don't remember like where and when it was in the game or what the time but it was like about 20 minutes of game time of which the Chiefs had had
0: the ball for like two and a half. Right. Um I mean if you knew that you were going to get that. Yeah. I got into a uh heated argument with my wife last night. Oh yeah. She was like all you need is time of possession you'll win. Uh, so we're just going like, nah, it's correlation, causation. She's like, look it up. Hmm, look it up. Whoever wins time of possession, she's mm-hmm. just—they win like two thirds of the time.
1: Yeah, but that's like you know, I know, hundred yard
0: running back thing. I was trying to explain to her. God. She just, she just likes getting arguments that, you know, she doesn't know anything about.
1: That's probably not a good sign um, about football. My favorite Quentin Nelson play, by the way, was was the interception to uh did you see that to i um, didn't see what he did tyron matthew so there's a play and i only caught it out of the corner of my eye from the sideline but then the end zone review or the end zone replay of it is like artwork um ugly interception thrown to tyron matthew tyron matthew takes off and from like the regular tv broadcast you see like a body just fly by him as he like makes a cut (laughs) on the way you're like wow who was that you see (laughs) you see in the end zone replay catches the ball and like the bloodlust in Quentin Nelson's eyes, was like, oh, just takes off, takes off after him like a giant, you know, adult angry bear. That's great, chasing down prey. Now, you know, Matthew pulls a move on him, and he ends up falling face first in the dirt. But like the the pure murder in his eyes as he sees what could happen, I get to destroy this guy. <laughs> Um, It just takes off after him. He was like a good 10 yards ahead
0: of any other offensive lineman trying to make a play there. Yeah. So every, um, so the other interesting thing about this, right? It's like, okay, the Colts had a good game plan and all that stuff. At the same time, Mahomes, there was a point early in the game where he had two big time throws that were dropped, dropped one in on for Kelsey dropped in the end zone. That pass should have been caught uh, running back in the end zone. Uh, Darrell Williams drops it. So that, so those are two things that perhaps changed the game as well. Or is it Damien? Sorry, Damien Williams dropped it. What was really interesting as well is uh, Jacoby
1: Brissett took a couple of shots deeper down the field. They were very early. And it was like, oh, wow, look, they, are, they have made him more aggressive. And then by the end of the game, I like, pulled up the numbers. And his average depth of target for the season actually goes down when you include last night, as does his yeah. uh, percentage of air yards. So it kind of it felt initially like they were being more aggressive with him, and that I don't know if they dialed it back because they were having so much success in the run game, or if you know that was just a product of your highlight reel memory at work. Right. But they didn't. I mean, if anything, this was more Jacoby than ever, and it just didn't matter because they had such dominance on the ground. Um, And as as Chris said, red zone interception too. Right. And as Chris said, you don't see the running game win games like this, but it's happening like that's that's really what happened in this game they were actually able to go old school right. control the clock it on the ground didn't ask of that much from Brissett, and ultimately it was like a combination of the chief's defense was bad enough to lose them this game because they couldn't stop the colts but the offense without mahomes being 100 percent, without you know tyree kill uh, sammy watkins without the weaponry they usually have it just wasn't able to find a way to get it done
0: Yeah, Mahomes even said after he's like, Hey, this, they're doing the same thing that New England did to us last year, the same thing that Detroit did to us. They're playing tight man coverage. And we've said in the past, look, the Chiefs have stumbled into 28 points. Right. You know, even on bad days. And again, there are a couple throws away. Mahomes is in this weird dynamic where he he had five big time throws again yesterday. All the spectacular stuff is there. I mean, the touchdown that he threw outside the pocket, just ridiculous. The two drops we're talking about by Kelsey and Williams. The other one along the sideline where they talked about, oh, was he, he stepped out of bounds, but there was pass interference. I mean, some of the passes he's thrown are just ridiculous, but he's still missing a higher percentage of throws than he did last year. Yeah. That is the difference. That, that That is essentially why we've been saying, look, Mahomes has these ridiculous stats, the great throws are there, but there's actually a lot more being left on the table, and last night I think epitomized that as well. The other bowl.
1: thing is it's, it's very difficult to overstate how important it is to um, – that he became hobbled, right? Not sure. Because when you're faced with tight man coverage a lot, that's when DBs have their backs to the quarterback. Right. Though any kind of mobile quarterback takes off and makes those yardage with his legs, which then starts to change what you're doing in coverage and opens other things up, right? So Mahomes was still able to kind of, you know, limp his way for a couple of scrambles here and there, but he wasn't anything like the. You know, dynamic threat he can be in terms of exploiting the stuff you're going to give him with that. So when he became fairly significantly hobbled later in the game, I think that definitely helped or prohibited his ability to make that kind of comeback.
0: I, there was there was one play he was under pressure it reminded me trying to play basketball like in his head. I think he was like slide left, and then he just didn't move. Huh? Yeah, that's what it felt. I could relate. Yeah. Let me relate this to be. Let me relate Patrick Mahomes to be real quick. I think you should. Yeah. Do you want to know my degrees of separation to uh, Patrick Mahomes? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Other than interviewing him a uh-huh. couple years ago that disappeared. Yeah, what do you got? Um one of my my former teammates, mm-hmm. Jimmy Mann, former big leaguer. Good guy, good friend. He was really good friends with Patrick Mahomes senior. So it was m- me, Jimmy, Mahomes senior, and he's been telling me about Mahomes junior for a while. He's been telling so me Patrick about Patrick Mahomes,
1: Mahomes is your former teammate's friend's son. Yeah. Huh. Just like That's that. That's quite one. a short one.
0: Yeah, it's not that crazy. It's not even exercising your really close to Patrick. Your degrees of separation, muscle. Yeah, how about that? And we interviewed him once, I swear. (laughs) So yeah, this is again. Let me just the the whole like run the run the ball to win type of thing. The whole part of when you when you say what's the optimum strategy is the fact that you just you're playing the odds, right? It's the same thing. It's like would you you know are you going to hit on sixteen in blackjack? It's the whole thing. Like could you get a five? Sure, you could get a five but most of the time you're not if you know that you're going to play that well and truly dominate the trenches right which doesn't happen at the NFL level very often yeah. it's just a almost it ab- just doesn't happen very often but if you know you can then you can have a game like this where you do control the clock and all that stuff and then you have to pray a little bit on defense too that a few things break right and all that happened i think for the colts i mean good job by them given how beat up they were in the secondary game plan oriented man coverage type of game i mean a lot of stuff Went well. And that was – and Brissette did not play well
1: at all. I also really uh, – I love the, uh, the fourth down decision thing that they, ca- they pulled up in this game. Yeah. Um, because it was such a good one. But the thing that I love the most is that kicking the field goal and going up by another three points actually decreases your chance of winning the game. Yeah. So absolutely. attacking another three points on makes your chances of winning this game lower Right. If you use the math, because Crispin uh, phrased it perfectly as well, because you give the hammer back to the other team, and you're still only
0: and one they score need up. A touchdown, so they're going to use twenty five percent more of their downs.
1: And you're still only one score up. You haven't made right. it a two a two score right. game. You've only pushed the advantage out from three to six you're still only a touchdown ahead, not no. even a touchdown ahead.
0: And this just shows the fine line here, too. They eventually had to kick – they they ran a few more plays. They had to kick a field goal because it was like 4th and 10 right. from the 11. So they had to kick a field goal. They were up 6. But then again, it's, it's like one play away. The Chiefs had their 4th and 1, and the Colts just whoop them up front, win at the point of attack. So there literally are just like a play here and a play there. The Colts are winning those individual plays in crunch time, and that was a big a big part of the difference. Yeah, and the
1: situations are never identical because, you know, more time is now off the clock. You know, they're not directly comparable every time, which is why there's a giant computer running this stuff.
0: By the way, I just want to say I've been so impressed with Marlon Mack. I mean he's his, been really good. Coming out of college, um, he just looked like a big play threat that didn't do a ton between the tackles. He just didn't look like what he's looking right like right now. He didn't feel like he was going to be that type of guy, but he's doing a really nice job of running through contact, making guys miss when he's got opportunities, all that stuff. I mean, he's he's run the ball really well. But again, dominant offensive line. Yeah, that's helped. That's absolutely It's like,
1: you know, I think it was Ian Rappaport, and this isn't meant as a slight on Rappaport, but he tweeted during that Seahawks game, you know, breaking news when Todd Gurley's got a bit of run blocking, he's still really, really good. It's like, yeah, but the point is, That applies to basically every NFL running back in the league right now. If you give the guy some blocking, he's really good. The problem is when the blocking disappears, that guy looks like crap. And everyone's like, where's Todd Gurley gone? Nowhere. It's just that the blocking is worse. So with Marlon Mack, it's like, yeah, he's looking really good. He's exploiting what's there. On the other hand, we've just talked about how the offensive line crushed the Kansas City defense. And therefore, the running game was dominant. Like... If you'd put pretty much any other running back back there, they probably would have had quite a lot of success on the ground again.
0: You're making our point. Yes. As we say. Um, real quick, if you're Mahomes, you got to stay healthy. You're yeah. Changing your playing style at all, making a few more throws within the pocket. It's like, I mean,
1: he just seems to have, when you injure an ankle, it seems to be, I just maybe it's just, relating it back to me. Now, I'm I'm Patrick Mahomes. You're basically the same Right. Guy. If yeah. you roll your ankle, it always feels like you're more prone to do that again. And I don't know if he just, like, it was already injured, it got caught again, and then he like, can't, I'll just say for Cameron Irving, then stepping on it.
0: I'm amazed, because th- that's like three times this season he's gotten up and looked like really hobbled. Like, yeah. he can't even walk, and then he gets back out there, and he just keeps playing, and he's fine. I mean, these, these dudes are tough.
1: Plus, the ability, like, the capacity the tape has to fix problems is pretty substantial and whatever else they're you can, putting on yeah, it. you can tape up a joint basically rock solid and just say all right hmm. it's gonna hurt a lot but
0: it'll tape it up it'll hold up all right it's functional you can also see when teams do such when the, when teams and the colts had a few plays like this where they did such a good job bottling him up and his eyes start to go like hey i'm gonna go no wait i got the passing lanes i mean i got my my rush lanes are, are blocked yeah and teams do they, the colts had a few nice rushes where they did that you you stunt into the holes that type of thing. Can we Dude, go so. to another one of the weird games? Yeah. What do you think is the in most London? Weird. That game was weird. Yeah. Um, Bears Andrew at-
1: Siciliano could not stop saying London during the broadcast. Oh yeah. It was like every single time it, we Andrew. had to go to this game, we had to mention London. Um, this
0: is the game why we didn't write the is Chase Daniel better off? Are the Bears better off with Chase Daniel? Right.
1: It's like let's hold it at least another week, please. Um, Khalil Mack one hit the end, no sacks. No pressure. One hit. That's all. I wasn't expecting that. That's all he had. How did that happen? That wasn't supposed to happen at all. Max
0: Crosby had a sack and a hurry. But it's not that? even... I mean, yeah, completely nothing. Maurice Hurst had two sacks. He was the best pass rusher on the field. Well, we saw that coming. We knew that. Um, yeah, I wasn't expecting Khalil Mack to get shut down. Um
1: but yeah, the, the other, so Khalil Mack getting, being completely shut down is one part of this story. And then the other part was Chase Daniel kind of stank again.
0: Yeah. Um, Bad turnover. So the, the last play, the receiver stopped on the route. But if he ran the route that Chase was throwing, the corner, still probably picked off by multiple play, players. Yeah. And so, then, and he completely misread the underline line right, right through the ball right to a linebacker. Tomorrow. And the thing
1: is, even if the linebacker hadn't been there, that was looking like a pretty ugly contested pass. Anyway. It was. Yeah. Deep um, dig
0: where he just completely didn't see tomorrow. But
1: the the other interesting thing about Kilo Mack getting shut down is it's not like usually when you're when you see such a an obvious one guy's going to win thing and it doesn't happen. It's like, all right, what else happened in this game to, to prevent that from happening? Because there's no way he was just blocked. You know what I mean? Um, So usually it's like a time to throw thing. You you pull up the numbers and it's like, oh, the quarterback got the ball out on average in like 2.1 seconds. Right. But that didn't happen. Derek Carr took an average of 2.5 seconds to get the ball out of his hands, which is not even fast. Um. So they did just find a way to block Khalil Mack.
0: Carr did make most of his throws. He had Carr had two throws beyond 10 yards.
1: Sure, that'll help. But it's not like he was getting the ball out in a fraction of a second. Like Mack had some time to work here and wasn't able to get it done.
0: Carr was 19 for 22 in the 0 to 9-yard nine range. 19 for 22 in the short area range. Um, I don't know that he really he really didn't miss any throws. Yeah, he, he was 12. He was just took what was there. He was 12 for 13 on passes that took more than 2.5 seconds. Yeah, and those were just longer developing checkdowns and rollouts and stuff like that. So, yeah. I mean, it was this really controlled pass game for the Raiders. Couple, uh, yeah, we're not more talking about running backs again. Josh Jacobs had a really nice game, despite me benching him on my fantasy team. Huh. How about that? Tell you what's Did really you interesting. Guys bench him
1: too? <sighs> tell you For what's Bears. really interesting about the Chase Daniel thing, right? Is that <laughs> so? These Bears fans are just mad at us every which way, right? It's like, Trubisky's been playing badly, they're just mad at that because their entire wagon has hitched to Trubisky, right? Right. So then it's like, all right, Trubisky goes down, Chase Daniel balls out. It's like, well, they're mad at us for saying that they might be better with Chase Daniel. Were they mad are you just making that up? No, no, they were mad because Trubis- their wagon has hitched to Trubisky. So if you suggest that they're actually better off without him, they're going to be mad, right? So if you suggest, like Mike Renner did, that Chase Daniel was an upgrade over Trubisky, they're mad, right? Now... Here's scenario three. Actually, Chase Daniel may be worse or as bad as Trubisky, and now you're just screwed across the board. Is that better? So that's what's played out here, is that the Mad Bears fans who were mad suggesting that Chase Daniel might be an upgrade over Trubisky are now satisfied because actually, ha-ha, Chase Daniel is still not very good.
0: I saw a great scenario. Only now you have no quarterback because both of them suck. I saw a great scenario. I hate... Stealing it because I just randomly saw it on Twitter. Uh-huh. See who they should trade for? Uh,
1: Nick Foles, yeah, Nick Foles, who everybody should trade for. I've seen like four trade scenarios for Nick
0: Foles yeah, in like 24 I know, hours. Oh, Minshew's taken. Over. I I wouldn't hate. I mean, we'll talk. We'll get to Minshew in a minute. He's got his own issues, but man, he still has some of that. Like. It kind of like people are expecting him to make that comeback.
1: But here's the the ironic thing about the Bears now is that all the way along, like the overall picture has been kind of okay, even though the quarterback situation is a mess. Yeah, because like you have a good play caller, you have a good situation around him. Your defense hasn't really regressed. It's still pretty good. So if you just get some viable quarterback play, you're still in business. Right. And whether that came from Trubisky or Chase Daniel, it didn't really matter. The point is somewhere there is potential for a better outcome. Only now, it's like, well, hang on. What if both of your quarterbacks are terrible, and you now just don't have a quarterback capable of winning you the games you need to win? Now everything is bad. Now they're in trouble. That, right. Now they're in real trouble, because it turns out the Lions don't suck. The Packers don't suck. The Vikings have Kirk Cousins, who might suck, but they still appear to be good enough to win games.
0: suck when they're the favorite.
1: Right. So now you've gone from well don't worry the division is a bit of a mess and everything else around your quarterback is good so if he's just like viable you're fine to uh-oh everybody else looks kind of good and our quarterback whoever it is is bad we're in real trouble
0: yeah there it's an interesting spot for the bears and you know so the same way so a good quarterback like a, so Russell Wilson in Seattle Seattle doesn't have the best roster at all but a good quarterback gives you leeway with the rest of your roster a bottom tier quarterback gives you no leeway. So you're essentially you're banking on the other 52 to be really good again in Chicago. Is that more likely or is it you know more likely to rely on that one guy to remain good? So that's kind of by the way, the issue there.
1: Poor Allen Robinson. Yeah. Allen Robinson for his football career has now had to fight through Christian Hackenberg, Blake Bortles, Mitch Trubisky, and Chase Daniel.
0: At least it got better after the first one. Yeah. It did get better. Not much though. I mean, that's much – Bortles is much better than the Penn State quarterback. (laughs) Much better. Look, either way, it hasn't gotten anywhere near to being good yet. Bortles would be like AAF MVP where Hackenberg lost his job in the AAF. If you
1: dealt with one of those quarterbacks in your career, it would be considered an ugly, forgettable part of your life, right? He's gone back to back to back to back. And has yet to fa has yet to play with a good one. Yeah. Well the last time he played with a good quarterback was high school. And I don't even know if he did then. For all I know, he played with the high school equivalent of Hackenberg.
0: All right, poor Allen Robinson. Poor Allen Robinson. The only that's all guy I'm who saying. graded well yesterday for the Again.
1: Bears. That's been like their their that's been their year. Is you look at the grades and it's Allen Robinson right up there in the green and everybody else red.
0: Are you buying into the Raiders yet? No. I don't think I am either. Tough to predict.
1: They are. They they're becoming another one of those teams. It's going to be annoying every week, but I don't think they're like that good yet. Titans light.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. A lesser version of the Titans. Like, you know, in a, like yesterday, they defense played feisty. They shouldn't have. Like, you know, they shouldn't have played that well defensively, right. but they ran into a, a backup quarterback. Yes. And Chase Daniel, which which is what he is. All right, let's move on to speaking of the Titans. Okay. Oh, Bills 14, Titans seven. Um, I did predict this could be a game that Mariota takes a bunch of sacks. He took five, but it wasn't so it wasn't really him to holding the ball a ton. It was just when Buffalo got pressure, they finished. I mean they, they turned it into a sack. They didn't have a ton of pressures, but they had five sacks, three of which came from Jordan Phillips. Yeah. Just whooping Roger Saffold up front and um Saffold's got in that weird dynamic too, where every pressure he gives up turns into a sack. But it's just another classic Bills performance where it's like who made plays yesterday? Shaq Lawson in the run game and Jordan Phillips rushing the passer and Starlo to Laley making plays in the run. I mean, that was that was it.
1: It was something amazing do. about Taylor Lewan finally returning to the lineup and grading significantly worse than the player that had replaced him over the first four weeks.
0: Yeah, he got whooped a couple times. Pretty bad. Um this was another like for for Mariota. Another game where he just didn't do it. He just didn't do anything spectacular, didn't do anything to really push the ball down the field and win.
1: He's so there's a lot of similarities, I think, between Mariota and Cousins. Like he's a more athletic version of hmm. Kirk Cousins in yeah. terms of the things that he's bad at don't necessarily show up on the stat sheet, but they make you want to tear your hair out watching them play. It's like you're just you're doing all of the things that you say, all right, whatever you do in this play, don't do this. They'll find a way to do it. And it's just – it's every time you look up, they're making one of those plays, and then they'll make some good plays in there to sort of save it, you know, make you think, okay, all right, we got there's something we can work with here. It's not too bad. But every time you need them to make – you know, to either not make
0: a bad play or to make a good play, they find a way of screwing it up. Uh, I saw the stat the other day. I couldn't believe it. Mariota's the only quarterback – we said that on the pod too – only quarterback not to turn it over. He's got six turnover-worthy plays yeah. this year, so obviously there's been some luck there. He's not among the league leaders or anything like that, but he should have more than one turnover. Right.
1: Plus, he's one of those guys that hides some of the negatives in sacks, t- you know, other negative plays sure. that don't show up in turnover.
0: Right, and they don't show up in just passing stats. Right. So I, I think I'm going to write up this week a bunch of the quarterbacks who aren't really—the grades and the stats aren't really matching up. Mariota and Cousins are two guys who statistically have the old 100 passer rating plus and all. I told you Cousins would have that. He's over 100 for the season passer rating. Yeah. He wasn't even terrible yesterday. He was good. He was very
1: good yesterday. But again, there's some plays.
0: Yeah, we'll get to that We'll get to it. But um, anyway, Mariota sacked over 20 times. I mean, there's a lot going on there still. They're just so inconsistent. Yeah. Cluster three quarterbacks, man. You don't know what you're going to get. Why did I pick the Titans in this game? Uh, it's hard to tell. I should have. <laughs> I should have known. Uh-huh. Uh, Josh Allen, another game where it was a lot of a lot of short stuff. He did a pretty good job with that. A lot of um, underneath stuff, yards after the catch. Had a really bad outside the pocket interception again. Like he's going to get himself hurt again.
1: Seventy-two completion percentage, which is not what you would expect to ever see from Josh Allen.
0: Well, the thing is, as we said. Even like he's completing passes, he's still not accurate, Bills fans. Um, but he's had he's completing passes, mm-hmm. he's been a little bit more accurate this year. Um, but again, you're not getting the big plays from him. I mean, they, they scored 14, and I know he made a few plays with his legs, and you know, he comes, was, comes through in the clutch and all that stuff.
1: This is kind of the concern, right? Is that are they repeating the are they repeating, um, Cam Newton plan two? Right. Plan A, plan one, was let's give him a bunch of six-foot-five receivers that he can't possibly overthrow. Right. Turns out that doesn't work because those guys can't separate. Plan B, plan two, was, all right, let's get him a whole bunch of shifty underneath receivers and we'll turn him into a high percentage underneath passer because those, are, th- those throws are easy. Let's give him the easy throws. That way, he'll be more efficient. Only it turns out that the problem is he's just fundamentally not accurate, so he'll never be as good at that as a quarterback that is. So it's just a bad way of trying to maximize what they do. Plus, when you ask them to do that, it takes away all of the things they are actually good at. So it like it hurts you twice. It, it plays to his weaknesses and takes away his strengths. It's just a dumb way of trying to do it. So the Panthers progressed to option three, which is let's just get guys to get open because that's the easiest way of you know yeah. making them. So are the Bills stuck in Plan B of the Cam Newton playbook?
0: I mean, John Brown's done a pretty nice job, and Cole Beasley, but Cole Beasley's just worked. The I think underneath personnel
1: stuff. wise, it's. They've got they're, they're at Plan C already. Right. Personnel wise, they've got the right group of guys that can that he can actually run and get open. It's just that from a, a game plan point of view, they appear to be sort of trending towards Plan B.
0: I got to ask you a question that I don't know the answer to, and I probably should. Okay. When Josh Allen is so he was announced that he passed concussion protocol on like Friday or Saturday. Yeah. When you're in concussion protocol, what are you allowed to do?
1: I believe there's so there's stages of it. So on like Thursday, he had he was in like level four, or whatever it is, of the concussion protocol. But like
0: you're allowed to like read the game plan, right? Yeah, like yeah. What, yeah. what but things I, are you limited? to? I believe
1: there's a certain stage at which you can return to practice. Okay.
0: So he would have had a few reps. I believe so. Probably.
1: Though I don't know the answer to that specific question. Either way,
0: again, I don't want to trash Josh Allen because he played well. It was was a good game by Josh Allen. One bad interception. He's done a really nice job throwing at the intermediate level other than the Patriots game this year. Um, But everybody's been bad against the Patriots. So, um, you know, the Bills are right in this formula. Play defense. And if you score 14, you got a shot to win. Yeah. And they did against the Titans.
1: Yeah, that was de that was kind of a depressing game,
0: to be honest. A little downpour. Speaking in the of, it.
1: of depressing, uh, Luke Falk played football yesterday. Yeah, he's bad, and it was it he was, was horrendous. It was it was uh, rough. That featured two of the most spectacularly terrible plays I've ever seen from a quarterback in the same game. Yeah, the first one was fourth and one, where he saw just threw the ball right to a linebacker trying to escape like bootleg pressure. Right, I think it was Brandon Graham was coming at him, and he just like. Ugh. Tossed the ball straight to a linebacker in the flat. Uh, was that a pick six or was it just a pick? Then, later in the game, he just, like, tithered in the ball and allowed a guy to run up and take it off him. Literally, it was a fumble six because he was just, like, goofing around in the pocket. A DB just ran right up to him, went, yoink, grabbed the ball and just took off. <laughs> it's like, come on, what are you doing? Yeah. There was another horrible, like, air-mailed interception that, like, wouldn't – like compared with the first two, it just doesn't even – it barely – Deserves mentioning, but in any normal circumstances, that would be considered a horrible turnover uh, worthy of derision. But like genuinely, they might be better giving the ball to Le'Veon Bell every play and just saying, look, if you feel it, toss it downfield. If not, just pound it up the gut. What's the worst that could happen? They're overmatched. They genuinely might be better off just running that game plan. I mean, this was, that was Sam, just miserable. They
0: need Sam back. I mean, Darnold should instill some life into this offense. The offense as a whole is not good. Luke Fox. I mean, Trevor Simeon is better than Luke Falk right now. Overall, um, sure. Trevor Simeon had trouble moving the ball with you know for the brief with this he got broken, right? And then you know Fox just gonna the, have with- some trouble. The the Eagles pass rush was too much how many different guys had sacks three four five six seven seven different guys had sacks two of which orlando skandrick making plays everywhere yeah so i saw a bit of that
1: yesterday so
0: if you have
1: a kind of leaden footed offensive tackle that struggles with speed you should genuinely just line a db up as an edge rusher and say go round him." i, yeah, know, I think a few that, teams are starting to do that who had that really nice move that i was watching on sunday night against uh, yeah. irving
0: Oh, that's what – yeah, it was. yeah, yeah. Oh, it was Kenny Moore. Right. Kenny Moore had that really From nice – Right around him.
1: Dip, yep. move, like, clean. Yeah. yeah, beautiful pass rush. But I think teams are actually starting to do that, which is, look, if this guy's not – like, It's not a – Like Derwin. It's an obvious pass rushing situation. What does it matter if the guy is only 210 pounds? Like, he's still going to get around the tackle.
0: Because if you're a tackle, all, if you just get to a landmark, then the little speedy guy has to go 9 or 10 yards behind you. Yeah,
1: but they're too slow to get to the landmark. That's the point. Yeah. You're going to beat them to the spot. You, you might not if you're 260 pounds and, you know, just speedy for a big guy. But if you're like a 200-pound DB, you're going to beat him to the spot. Right. Um, particularly if you don't do it that often, right? Like if you just show up every now and again and he's not used to playing that every single play.
0: Well, the thing is, here's why it's not the worst thing in the world. Because a lot of times you have a defensive end and then when you bring that slot or you bring somebody outside of him, the defense defensive right. end will stem inside and he'll be one-on-one with the guard.
1: So that was... That was, well, particularly if you line them up that way and you don't, you're not certain that guy's coming pre snap, there's a little bit of a hesitation sure. when you move in, out, inside to out, right? right. So it's, I like start off on the D end and then it's, uh oh, he's coming inside. So is the D, the DB's coming as well. Now I have to move outside. You're already half a step behind. Right. So that screws you right from the get go, which is how, um, whoever it was that took the ball away from, uh, Sam Darnold, or not Sam Darnold, Luke Falk got screwed. But, again, serving in the Chiefs, it was legitimately just an edge rush speed boo from the DB. Um, Austin, we did our little pregame show um, on mm-hmm. Sunday. Austin, I think, termed this, you know, you get those games where it's like there's no way for one team to win. It's just how, like, this is. it's a no-win situation for the Eagles, right? They're going to win the game, so they can't do any better than just an as-expected. So Austin said the best the Eagles can do is to get out of this game without catching mono. Hmm. Pretty much nailed it, to be honest. <laughs> That's true. Somebody suggested you rekindle your ten sack Brandon Graham bet on the basis that he got three of them yesterday. Yeah, that's not happening. You what know? is that? Is he where is he at the season now?
0: I think three. <laughs> yeah, three. <laughs> he's at three. Well, all right. With, he's on um, track
1: then, right? With thirty
0: three pressures. So he's on <laughs> look he's at on week pace. Four, look at week four. Yeah. hmm That's that is the brand week four against Green Bay. Yeah. Zero sacks, zero hits, eleven hurries.
1: But now he's almost exactly on pace. Three sacks through five games. That's 15 after 15 games. You don't play Luke Falk again. Uh, He doesn't need to. You do. Yeah? You kind of do. There's got to be somebody else crappy on his schedule.
0: I mean, is there anything better than, here's Aaron Rodgers in week four. You're going to hurry him like crazy, (laughs) but there's no chance you're actually going to sack him. You're never going to take him
1: down. How many... So he had... How many pass (laughs) rushes in that game? How many do you think he would have needed in order to get a sack on... uh, on Aaron Rodgers. So Brandon Graham 50. rushed Aaron Rodgers forty nine times oh, in that game. I guess not. 60, hurried him hurried, seventy. Hurried him eleven times. How many would he have needed to ever sack him? Seventy five. Seventy five. Yeah, whatever. I don't know if he'd have got home then. He All didn't right. even hit him in that game after fifty. Like you might have needed like hundred and twenty five rushes to get him once. Hilarious. So you're not you're you you don't believe
0: anymore? Nope. <laughs> Well, at least you learned the lesson. There are numbers, there are things that regress to the mean, and then there are outliers, Sam.
1: Correct. This is what I was telling you back when you first made the bet, and you I wouldn't have, believe it. I have more evidence now. Yes, you have. You have at least finally embraced the truth, the self-evident truth that lies in front of you, The Brandon Graham will never be a sack artist. He will always be a consistent and productive pass rusher. It just won't result in sacks unless he's playing Luke Falk.
0: All right, Tampa Bay Bucks. At the New Orleans Saints, 31-24. to Saints really controlled this game, though.
1: They did. Now, this was fun because Teddy didn't suck. Yeah, he chucked the ball down the field. Why are you rooting for players? We don't root for players here. I root for Teddy. The dude's knee almost fell off. You can root for Teddy. I guess so. Look, Teddy, he's a nice guy. His knee almost fell off his leg. You can can root for Teddy. Unashamedly, anybody out there can root for Teddy. Um, And it was starting to bum me out that the guy had turned into this, like, worse version of Alex Smith where it's like you're pathologically conservative and you're not good enough at the underneath stuff the way
0: Alex Smith was to make that like a viable pathway. He was dropping big-time throws, back shoulders and up and over defenders and deep out. Teddy? Yes. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. He actually started
1: attacking deep and hitting them. Yeah. If if, If that guy plays that way for any extended period of time, he's back to being a viable NFL starter. Like whether it's in New Orleans taking over for Drew Brees eventually or whether it's somewhere else. Like, he's back to legitimately being an option for somebody. Sure. Which he wasn't the last couple of weeks. Like, that was a kind of, all right, maybe we can win that way, but we don't want to, like, you don't want that.
0: Um, Only under pressure, six out of 38 dropbacks, that'll also help.
1: Which, yes. Um, And the other thing is, like, the Saints are in a way better situation if that happens, right? It's great for Teddy because he's back to actually being a viable quarterback, and it's great for the Saints because they're not, like, you know, if everything else goes right and the quarterback doesn't screw it up badly enough, we can win games, too. Hell, we're actually in a reasonable spot now. The quarterback's playing quite well. All right, he's not Drew Brees, but he's, you know, doing a decent imitation at this point. Yeah. That was, so that, that was, was a huge, huge game. game for him.
0: A huge game. Four for four on throws 20-plus yards down the field. I mean, it did look like older Teddy Bridgewater. Like original. One of the better games that he's played. Original Teddy. The original. 2014 and 15 Teddy even though that guy was on the more conservative end. Um, and as we always say, don't bet on those cluster three, those mid-tier quarterbacks like Jameis Winston. Don't never, pick them. Never bet on James. Don't pick them. Here I am thinking they just dropped 50 points on the Rams, 48 offensively, whatever it was. They're in the <laughs> dome. Oh, look, The Saints are playing some pretty good defense and all that stuff, but they're in the dome. And Winston's had this weird dynamic where he plays kind of, you know, he plays well on the road randomly and all. He just... No idea. No so, idea what you what you're gonna get week to week. So
1: Teddy yesterday, four completions on passes targeted twenty yards downfield. You know how many he has on the season? Five. Four.
0: That was all four of them? Yeah,
1: they all came yesterday. Oh, so he was due. Yeah. Uh huh.
0: So we should have given him the same analysis we gave Cousins. Like, look, he's bad right now, but there's no way he's going to remain that bad.
1: So for the season, he has six attempts, four completions on 20-plus yard plays, one touchdown, which came yesterday, one interception, which didn't. um, And, yeah. (laughs) So that was all of Teddy's deep production came yesterday. Yikes. So, again, it's like we always try and be, you know, don't overreact to the one-game thing. So I don't know if that was him back or if that was just a blip because he played Tampa Bay, but if they can get that guy, things are so much better for them and for him. Oh, absolutely! If he's the guy he was before that game, they're still you know they still have to struggle to get to overcome that.
0: Three and zero now with Teddy as a starter. Really three and one with him as the significant quarterback. Wins and losses, yeah, could be like baseball. Yeah, baseball yeah. pitchers. Um, Shaq Barrett got shut down the defensive player of the year candidate who had nine sacks through four games, zero pressures per now. Yeah. So that's finally reviewed, but, um, wasn't great up front for the box. Ryan Ramchick continues to be awesome for the saints. Dude, he's really good. So yeah, the saints just keep rolling. And I think people are just forgetting, you know, you got drew Brees, lurking and all that stuff. And they're just hanging in there looking like a team that's going to get a number one seed potentially. So,
1: I mean, they're, they, should be plus they have their coverage hasn't been that good yet yeah like they so their defensive front is really good their offense is is good and potentially very good with the right quarterback whether it's Drew Brees coming back or it's Teddy playing like he did yesterday the coverage has still yet to play to the level we know they can play at and they've started a couple of seasons slowly now now I don't know if they're going to get to that level just because we've seen them you know, starts low and get come good by the end of the season a couple of times already, or if this is going to be the sort of thing, the worst part of this team. But they have yet to to play as well as we know they can play, which is potentially huge. They got
0: a huge game from Malcolm Brown. Remember former Patriots? Yeah. Defensive tackle Malcolm Brown, one of the best pass rushing games he's had in his career. Marcus Davenport's playing some really good football. It's kind of the opposite in New Orleans now. It used to be Cam Jordan and nobody. Now they're getting... Contributions from a bunch of different areas there. So,
1: so yeah. in, in the tally of receivers that Marshawn Lattimore cares about covering, apparently Mike Evans is in the cares about. Cares, column. yeah. Uh, care. Mike Evans, I don't think, had a catch yesterday, correct? I uh, didn't see. Um, and exactly. was largely covered by Marshawn Lattimore. So Newt Hopkins doesn't care. Amari Cooper cares. Mike Evans cares. Apparently it's division games uh, and Dallas. Just Division, <laughs> division games and Dallas that he You're cares really about. are really starting to figure it out mm-hmm. right now.
0: All right, Minnesota Vikings 28, New York Giants 10. The Kirk Cousins bounce-back game.
1: So Kirk Cousins is great at bouncing back against bad teams. Yeah.
0: Um, he played well. The red zone touchdown did. to Thielen was really, really nice. He played well,
1: and yet there were still plays in there that made you want to scream at him for being ridiculous. There were a couple of plays in the red zone where he just ran away from a completely clean pocket and caused problems and got himself into trouble. Yeah. They're like, why are you doing that? There's literally, this is a perfect pocket. Um, and you're, you're running away from it. You're actually, it's back to this thing of, so there's there's one particular play where nothing was open initially. It's, you know it's, It was right in the shadow of the goal line. So condensed field, playing tight coverage. There's no obvious window right away, right? Fair enough. The pocket is starting to sort of squeeze on you a little bit. And really good quarterbacks, they take that initial jump backwards and then they settle themselves back again, right? And they maybe take a little half step forward again, back into the new pocket that you've basically created. When you jump back, it, it causes everyone to sort of fan out and contain you. And then right. really good guys bounce back up into the new pocket. Bad quarterbacks keep going backwards and just create the place for them to come and get you. Right? That's what Cousins does. And that's what Mariota does. Um, and there's a few other guys that cause that problem right. as well. The,
0: the few times when you see a guy retreat, it's against um, – and Chris highlighted this a lot, right? Zero blitz when Kansas City's bringing that. Yeah, to buy the extra so, time right. to get so in the So if you go seven guys are coming at you, six guys are coming at you, you retreat to buy time, or, and you know that it doesn't. You, you're never going to step up. And then right?
1: the only other situation where that's okay is if you're a Russell Wilson or Deshaun Watson or sometimes a Patrick Mahomes where you have the athleticism to be able to do it and get away from the guy. If you're but, Kirk Cousins, it's not going to work.
0: But that when you talk about like something's missing, this is like my Sam Bradford argument for years. I'm like, man, the guy throws the ball well, and he's accurate. Like, What's missing? I think he's in this boat. Andy Dalton's in this boat a little bit. I think Mariota, Cousins, a lot of these mid-tier-ish type of quarterbacks, it's just spatial awareness and pocket feel and just natural instincts that they just don't really possess that other guys do so like russell wilson's gonna run into some sacks sometimes so will mahomes but more often than not they're gonna make they're gonna make better plays than they are more good plays than bad right cousins and those guys are gonna yeah
1: but it's just the understanding of what that does like i said the, the best quarterbacks understand that when you take that initial jump backwards you can reform the pocket aaron Rodgers is like a like a a master at this the guy's a magician where he will he will constantly reset his own pocket by the way he moves around. But he also
0: still sure takes but, too many sacks. Yeah, yeah, yeah well. but that's
1: because he holds the ball on for an age. But he is able to reset and manipulate a pocket better than any quarterback in the NFL. Whereas Cousins has whatever that whatever end of the spectrum that is, Cousins is like the other end, where he is just like blissfully unaware of the actions he has on the pocket that he's oh, right, contained within, right. yeah. um, and constantly screws it up. But this was the this was the game where they did open up the passing game more. He showed that he can't actually throw the ball, um, which he hadn't the first few weeks. Thielen was the main beneficiary. He looked like Adam Thielen from last year again, was making all kinds of crazy plays. The interesting thing about this game is like Stefan Diggs had been pissed off all week, bitching about the crappy offense and the lack of passing. Right. Um, had been fined two hundred thousand plus dollars for like skipping things. That much? Yeah, yeah. Wow. Um, was debate about whether he'd even play in the game, had been trade rumor swirling before the week. So then he goes out and you're like, well, this is a pretty crappy giant secondary. They're probably gonna pass the ball a lot. Surely this is the game where you feed Diggs and make him happy. Diggs comes out of this game with like forty yards yeah. and a couple of targets. Like the best thing he did was late in the game, basically in garbage time anyway, where he caught a shallow cross, beat a couple of guys, missed. There was one deep target that he got Blanketed by DeAndre Baker and it kind of could have been pass interference, I guess, but they really didn't feed him that much. I was kind of amazed given how easy it was for the Vikings to pass in this game, how little they seemed to care about getting the ball to Diggs.
0: Well, I think a big part of it is because their play action game, Cousins was 9 of 11 for 153, 13.9 yards per attempt off play action. The middle of the field was wide open. So you got, you got Thielen running crossers. You have a lot of crossing routes and stuff like that that were wide open. It felt like they were running that boot action and having just, right. the line, and, just a sea of open in the middle. And so, Thielen
1: is the guy that gets most of those targets. So crossers, that part right. makes sense, right? But Ola B.C. Johnson had the same number of targets as Stephon Diggs. Yeah, I thought they would probably. That That's kind of weird. right? Bit. Whatever about Thielen being the guy that catches most of those sort of slot over-the-top routes. Like, that was mm-hmm. the same it was last year. But so, it just... I. I'm just saying, if you've got a guy that's already kind of pit, coming out of that game, given that Cousins passed for 300 and the Vikings were able to pass a will, if your digs, are you more or less pissed off than you were a week ago? I don't know.
0: I don't. I, you want me to get into the head of a wide receiver? I do. That's what I'm asking you no, for. Thanks. Okay. Well, that makes less pissed because I'm all about winning. <laughs> I'm here to win. Okay. Um. On the other side. We're going to say something nicer about Daniel Jones. Look, he played better, a little bit better than the stats would indicate. But so I think Jones looked like he looked like full foals here, man. It's like there's some plays he's got some of those plays. He took a sack in the red zone, too, where it's like just a tick late. You're just a tick late and you're just you just kind of like he just kind of like freezes up a little bit. Um he can make, and again, comparing him to Foles just a little bit, man, he can also make those tight pocket. He, he had this beautiful deep out where he created enough space to get it out there. He had the deep ball early on um, to Slayton for a touchdown. That was awesome. I mean, he had a few nice throws, but also had uh, a few turnover-worthy throws. Again, yes. he, had, he had three passes, one only one interception that actually occurred, three, three that easily could have been interceptions, um, leaving the ball behind. Kind of goffy the way he did that. The way you were talking about Goff earlier, goffy. yeah. Um, it was so. yeah.
1: There was a couple of ugly ones, uh, which is the second week in a row he's had multiple ugly turnover-worthy yes. plays. So I mean, I th- not I think all of just, which have been caught.
0: I, I, so I actually think Shermer in that offense, they're doing a pretty good job of scheming some stuff open. Um, I've been impressed with some of you know some of the opportunities that they've had. I just think we've got an inconsistent. He's a rookie, yes, but I think he's going to be. Just an inconsistent quarterback. Yeah. And there's some really nice plays under pressure. And then there's other ones where it's like, man, why are you doing that?
1: I mean, it's just highlighting the absolute idiocy of everyone that was wanting to crown him after a week. We don't have any idea what Daniel Jones is yet. All Either that, way, all like, that stuff. He's, he's shown some really good. He's shown some really bad. Yeah. And we'll figure out where in the middle he lies. Tough Vikings defense. And then he's going to come back Thursday night against New England. So, yeah, the defense, the Vikings defense uh, looked really good. I was thinking this during the game, but. The return of Mike Hughes is absolutely huge for this team. Yeah. Um, we talked about before about how they don't, they're struggling outside of base defense. They have real problems in the secondary. They don't really know who's covering the slot yet. They've had, you know, uh, Jaron Curse. they've had Mackenzie Alexander. He's hurt now. Um, and then Mike Hughes is the guy that I think they want to win that job coming back. He had a really good game yesterday. Um, Xavier Rhodes did not, although he also got kind of hosed on what was, A pretty ridiculous pass interference call in my eyes um trey waynes is you know trey waynes which is average so mike hughes being really good would make a massive difference to that team going forward not just this year but in the future because at some point Rhodes is probably on the way out you know trey waynes may be kept around depending on what it'll cost them to do but they need another good cornerback even if it's even if it's just the slot guy who play, maybe plays outside the kind of Chris Harris role. But if, if Mike
0: Hughes is that guy, that's that's massive for this team. Wayne's got smoked on the one deep ball that he kind of got bailed out on. Jones got hit yeah. in the pocket.
1: There was some, yeah, this we set secondary weird,
0: depth for them.
1: This was a weird week for pass interference calls. There were some all kinds of craziness left and right. Yeah. Don't challenge them anymore. Yeah, why would you? I mean, nobody knows what it is anymore.
0: All right, Baltimore Ravens at the Pittsburgh Steelers. They win 26-23. to 23. You talk about a weird game here. Um, so Mason Rudolph gets smoked. He gets hit. That was pretty terrifying. Yes. He was out
1: cold before he hit the ground. Yeah, and he was
0: quite dazed when he was standing up. Yeah. Um, so he gets knocked out of the game. Um, even, even with all that, you're down to third-string quarterback Devlin Hodges. He played all right. He did play all right given the situation and all that stuff. And they still had a chance to win in overtime, but you get that weird fumble Uh,
1: punch uh, teams have been doing that a lot recently as well. Just punching directly at the ball. And the thing is, I mean, so Juju is the guy that catches the pass and then punch comes in, knocks it loose. You're like, I don't even know if you can be that critical to the receiver. It's just, it's so hard To be in a constant state of I am holding this securely enough that a full-on punch directly to the ball will not jar it loose. Right. Like whatever about I know contact is coming now, you know, wrap it up with two hands. But to basically to be constantly punch proof in your carrying of the ball is almost impossible for a receiver. Um, It's just a really, really good defensive play. Keep doing it.
0: Your boy Bud Dupree had his classic game again. He got a sack uh-huh. on 34 rushes. That was it. I am choosing got a sack.
1: not to be negative about Bud Dupree today.
0: His last two weeks, he's got two pressures, two sacks. He's a big sack guy. Good for Bud. Yeah, so I think you know Pittsburgh defensively, they they're, they're they're playing tough, man. They're they're hanging in there. Minka Fitzpatrick still missing tackles, two more. Um, they're just they're just so hit or miss week to week, right? Yeah, Pittsburgh very dependent on who they're playing. Lamar came, He's. I don't want to say he came back down to earth because we thought he played pretty well last week in the loss. But this particular game, again, misreading underneath coverage. It's some unlucky interceptions, some bad interceptions. I mean, it's. Um, you know, Lamar's kind of fallen into what we expected him to be as a passer. Still adds a ton as a runner. Uh, this can't help but feel like Baltimore is going to be in the race a lot. More than you know, people are waiting for Pittsburgh to like make a move here. Is Are they going to make a move in the AFC North? I feel like Baltimore is going to be in the race, but they escaped this one. Yeah, they really did.
1: Yeah. And I, I just I, we haven't seen enough from Pittsburgh quarterbacks not named Ben Roethlisberger to think that they can consistently win games at this point. Yeah, um, nobody, you know, Mason Rudolph had periods where he looked OK, but it was always it was more bad than good, to be honest, so far. Hopefully he, you know, is going to be fine after that blow. Um, Devlin Hodges looked okay, but okay, right? He wasn't amazing. Um, it was always kind of let's just do this and hope it gets by. So, like until until Roethlisberger comes back, I don't know if they have enough firepower to keep pace
0: with teams. Oh, I don't think so either. But they'll be playing Miami on Monday Night Football That'll in a couple weeks. That'll be great. Hey, Ronnie Stanley still playing some great football for Baltimore. So keep an eye. On him when he's playing. He's playing great. Left tackle. Yeah. Um, so Baltimore played a lot better defensively as well. We've been saying how inconsistent they had been uh, in the secondary. It was a better game, but how much is that? Yeah, you got Mason, you got Hodges and all that stuff. So uh, Baltimore escapes. Let's touch on the Cardinals coming into our hometown of Cincinnati and picking up their first win. Yeah. Quickly. In a
1: game that ended up way closer than it should have
0: been. Oh, yeah. A couple big plays down the stretch there for the Bengals to make it close. Probably the best. Well, the best game that Kyler Murray has played so far, uh, you know, Arizona just won this in that. This is another win in the trenches game, too.
1: Yeah. I mean, this is the first game that basically the entirety of the Arizona offense graded well. Yeah, they did. Like the first game by, you know, the first game where that was even close to being
0: true. Kyler didn't face much pressure. The... Uh, The run blocking was fantastic for the Cardinals. You know, David Johnson averaging over five per carry. Then you get Kyler picking up 93 on 10 rushes, only three of which were scrambles. So, you know, you've got this. This is one of those games and you get Chase Edmonds picking up eight and a half per carry. This is one of those games where it's like, okay, if you're running the spread offense and it's like David Johnson's a playmaker, Edmonds is a playmaker, Kyler, all these, they're all getting involved. And this is kind of the way you draw it up. Uh, Kyler made a few really nice throws down the field. There's a lot to like about this game. What I liked is they got their. What we saw in the preseason was like the slot fade game. You saw that they'd lined David Johnson up in the slot a few times, ran fades and back shoulders to him. That felt like um, that was a a way that they were going to create big plays in the preseason, and we finally saw that.
1: Yeah, and the other thing, it's worth sort of just recapping the personnel that the Bengals are currently playing with, particularly on offense. Left tackle Andre Smith. Left guard Michael Jordan, center Trey Hopkins, right guard John Miller, right tackle Bobby Hart. So that's reasonably disastrous from an offensive line point of view. Auden Tate played 66 snaps at them for wide receiver. Um, Damian Willis played 40 snaps at wide receiver. Stanley Morgan Jr. played three snaps at wide receiver. Like they just, they just don't have. Talent on offense right now. Anyone that they have that's talented is injured, essentially, except for Tyler Boyd. um And, like, I mean, there's a degree to which you just have no shot. You know what I mean? Yeah. When you get so banged up and you didn't have great talent to begin with, like, you're, there's, you've no chance. It's not going to happen. So the Bengals have no chance. Pretty much. I mean, they also have, they have to play the Dolphins this year, too. Well, that'll help. There's always a chance when you're playing Miami. Um but they have you know, they've no weapons right now. Everybody all their weapons are injured. They've no offensive line, so they have to get rid of the ball quickly anyway. Um the defense has gone kind of back towards just not being able to play well despite having some individual talent. Um and they were facing a guy that is like a dynamic playmaker in Kyler Murray. By the way, has the word scamper ever been better applied to anybody than Kyler Murray? That man was invented. For the word scamper, scamper to be applied to him. A lot of scamper.
0: That oh, was good to see. Him uh did he turn the corner, did he play the Bengals? Need more evidence, <laughs> yes. but a good step in the right direction and on the road. By the way, again, Andy Isabella. Nine snaps total. Well, something's happening where he's just not playing well at practice. Or playing period. New England Patriots thirty three, Washington Redskins seven. Game was kinda close in the first half, but did you ever think it was close? Not really. I mean, it was close. It wasn't it's really just close. it got out
1: of hand quite substantially once it started to roll. Poor Colt McCoy never had a shot. Well, yeah. They couldn't do anything. I mean, this is why we said don't play Haskins.
0: Yeah, when they didn't, got Jay Gruden right. fired. Yeah. Jay Gruden fired this morning at 5 a.m.
1: Right. Apparently. So this is this is interesting because, you know, there was a video that surfaced that probably didn't help his cause. Um, but I think, honestly, the underlying thing is... Like, this is Haskins' time now, and the, apparently all the reports suggest that Jay Gruden didn't want Haskins right. like from the get-go, from the draft. Didn't want him. Didn't, didn't like him as a quarterback. This was a decision made elsewhere. So if you're turning to Haskins now, you kind of need the guy to buy in, right? Whoever's the coach needs to be on, on board the Haskins train, which means now the guy you hire needs to be sold on Haskins. Because if you bring in the next guy and he's like, well, I don't like him either – well, then you need to draft a quarterback again.
0: Doesn't have to be. You just
1: draft. no, but I mean, it would seem silly if you if you were convinced enough that Haskins is your guy this this year. If you then hire a guy that wants somebody completely different next year, I mean, unless you're in, you know unless you're in, in a, an Arizona situation where you have a clear dramatic upgrade available, like well, we kind of liked him, but we're in we're in position for somebody we believe is a generational talent. Yeah, fair enough. But if you're just in position for the next third best quarterback or whatever in the in the draft, is that you kind
0: of need to match that, right? Um, the other I, thing is, I, I made a lot of Josh Rosen comparisons to Haskins. That might be one of the comparisons as well. Yeah, it just doesn't excite me enough that I'm you know I'm not hitching the wagon to Haskins going forward. I'm. I'm, it's just I'm it's, it's a
1: complicated situation now because it's not as easy as just well let's hire the next best candidate and uh, it's like crap. They actually there's a quarterback yeah. situation relevant here as well. Um, also, I kind of like that it's Bill Callahan right that's taken over. Yes, um, who was their run game coordinator and has immediately declared his intentions to reestablish the run. Of course he has. The problem we've got here is the run game hasn't nearly been established enough. So we're going to run the ball more. Adrian Peterson, I think, also came out of that game pissed off about his usage. So between Peterson yeah. and Bill Callahan, next week Washington's going to try and run the ball like eighty-seven times.
0: The funny thing about all that is, Bill essentially became famous for running that Oakland offense with Gannon running, you know, passing the ball all over the place. Yeah, with Gruden. Mm-hmm. Anyway. And also, and also working with that Dallas O line and helping them become really good. But yeah.
1: also, but he was their run game coordinator and the run game hasn't been good. It's not just that it's been underused, it's not been good either. So
0: love Coach Bill. You know He's the best. Coach Callahan. Uh so yeah, New England rolls again. They've sent in their five games, they've played three of the winless teams. That'll help. Miami, the Jets, and Washington, and they'll be hosting the Giants on Thursday night. Uh, by Brady, the way, Brady had another disastrous red zone interception. Terrible. That was horrible. It was. It was an Eli Manning patent uh, throw and cower. He had one. So he had a play like that last year that, like, worked. So it's one of those, like, when it doesn't work, it looks really, really Right, bad. but he
1: had another one in this game as well that it wasn't an interception or anything. I don't even remember what happened to the pass, but it was another legit, like, throw and cower move. Yeah,
0: he's been trying to I, uh, I don't, save himself. That's not good. I don't like that. He's he's shown that at times throughout his career.
1: Um, what was I going to say? Oh yeah, uh, Terry McLaurin drew the Stefan Gilmore treatment. Um, so like there was a debate, right? We were again we were talking going into this. You know, Belichick likes to take away what you know, the best thing of your of your offense, right? The one thing. A. What is he taking away in this game? Right. <laughs> what do Washington have? It's like oh yeah. Terry McLaurin. He's actually playing in this game. So they take away McLaurin. But how do you do it? Do you just put Gilmore on him one on one, or does he get the bracket treatment? Either way, like who's left? There's no way, like, literally, there's no way Washington can get anything done on offense because Terry McLaren is the only good thing they have. That will be taken away, at which point, what is beating you? And the answer is nothing. Uh, But that was how they did it. It was the Gilmore thing one on one. And McLaren had three catches for like 50 yards, which is better than a lot of receivers have done against Stephon Gilmore when they've got the one on one treatment. Yeah, All this is just a long way around of saying that Terry McLaurin is still legit. The Terry McLaurin hour. Yeah. Got to get that in there.
0: I wonder if New England thinks, hey, we we should have drafted him in the first round instead of Nikhil Harry.
1: I mean, they should have. I wonder. Did you know that, so there was debate as to what his nickname should be, right? Some people have been saying Scary Terry, and that's just a terrible nickname, which we should never use. Other people have suggested F1, which sounds like a cool nickname, except I'm led to believe. He's F1? Yeah. I haven't known that for weeks. Well, uh, Since so, Austin... Said it to me. It's a cool sounding nickname, except I'm led to believe they're saying that because there's an F1 team called McLaren, which is completely different sounding to McLaren. It's a whole different vowel sound. You can't just co-opt it because it's like, no, no, no. If that's why that came about, that's a bad nickname.
0: As the president of the Terry McLaren Mm -hmm. fan club, could you please come up with a nickname for him? You do
1: it. Not off. The, not like on the top of my head. Your job. Maybe in future. Well, no, know. you have to. Okay, give me some time. I'll work on it.
0: Carolina Panthers 34, Jacksonville Jaguars 27. I mean, when you're watching this game, you're just like, Minshew's going to pull this off, right? Like you're expecting that to happen. Yeah. Gardner. So I. I don't want to pull. I don't want to tear down the greatness of Gardner at all. But he's one of those guys. His all of his bad plays this year have been fumbles. Yeah. And avoidable fumbles. That was so bad. He's got multiple. He's got four or five turnover worthy plays that are fumbles this year. And again, remember when we say, you know, throwing motion, you get stripped, you know, sometimes you can't avoid it. We'll say minshew has got like four or five avoidable fumbles this year. Yesterday uh yesterday was bad with Here's some the of those. Thing, though, but he's still throwing the ball really well.
1: He is, and he almost got it done. Like he got them in position to get the game back, right? Yeah. There was what was interesting is how they then like, the plays at the end. They they basically ran this hail mary play where Leonard Fournette wound up being like the primary target.
0: Now I'm not sure. That was I'd be late thrown... though. That was like a late chuck
1: up to him, wasn't it? The, the first one, I don't think so.
0: Um, there was one that he got to chuck, which either
1: know... way, here I would just question why he's even on the field and oh, like, I an agree. obvious sort complete... of passing right. into the end zone hail mary situation. Like, are you really expecting Lenny? To go up and
0: get it over DB in the end zone. He had another big run again though too. He looks, He, did, yeah, he yeah. does look fast. He, He's starting to look faster and all that stuff. Yeah, he had a decent game. But I wouldn't but, throw jump like, balls yeah. up to him.
1: And then, the, then you had maybe the most depressing game-ending play I've ever seen, which is Minshew failing to make the end zone from the forty-yard line. Now, okay, he was like running to his right and was slightly off balance, but like Mahomes would have been in more danger of throwing through the end zone. Than coming short of the end zone from that exact same throw. Yeah. And Minshew could. And not only that, it didn't just fall short. It didn't just fall short, rather. It was honestly like five
0: yards short. The Every now and again, his lack arm shows up. Yeah. Every now and again. Uh-huh. I mean, he does a great job of mitigating it, throwing with anticipation and all that stuff. And it doesn't really matter if you know how to throw yeah. the ball and you're accurate, but every now and again, it shows up.
1: Yeah, it's like that. Uh, you remember that scene in Police Academy where they had the guy with the fake Spanish accent? Mahoney was like, you know, "Every now and again, you lose your Spanish accent. What's up with that?" It's like Mahomes says, "Every now and again, your noodle, yeah, your yeah. noodle rushes back to the surface. It just shows up a little bit." Uh,
0: another game, Kyle Allen three and zero as the starter for the Panthers. Another not not great game for him, but Christian McCaffrey. All I see is W's. Some people are going to give. Uh, I've heard some people say, "Hey, Christian McCaffrey should be in the MVP, MVP. Mm-hmm. race if there's a running back." Based off just what they've actually accomplished this year through five weeks, is, is McCaffrey the type of guy that actually deserves that?
1: That's far too many degrees of hypotheticals i mean it's me right now I mean, it's entertain. through five
0: the only thing we're talking about is through five weeks
1: right but you're asking me to hypothetically extend a five-week sample size to an award that if i hypothetically
0: gave a crap about oh, it wasn't the absurd to All begin right. with let's just talk about how awesome christian mccaffrey yes is, even though he got did get banged up at the end
1: he got they were claiming he was claiming it was cramps so oh, not okay. really um can we talk about how right i was about him by the way
0: no because why because when we get negative feedback on the podcast, it's pretty much about stuff like that. Like, I don't even care like writing. PFF, me personally. I was riding the Christian
1: McCaffrey bandwagon from like day one in college. Good job, because I had all those Stanford games. The dude was amazing. Now you want a high five? Yeah, <laughs> good job. Here's the thing. Let's just it, talk it, about okay the,
0: the PFF podcast where Sam talks about all his favorite players.
1: Yes, Um it's not it, what I would say is it, Christian McCaffrey and Alvin Kamara and a couple of other running backs right now should be changing the way that teams are scouting running backs, right? Because everybody used to look for this giant workhorse bell cow running back. that could take 350 touches a season um, and keep grinding, keep grinding out those three yards in a cloud of dust and never break down. Super durable. Everybody's looking for the next, um, who's the hall of famer that we don't think is a hall of famer, Curtis Martin. Everybody's looking for the next Curtis Martin, Right.
0: I thought you were going to go after like Earl Campbell at first. Or
1: something. No, no. Everybody's looking for the next, the next Curtis Martin, the guy that can go out there, touch the ball nine thousand times, and keep grinding, right? But if your first criticism of a running back prospect right now is, I don't know if he can carry the load, you should probably shut the hell up because it just doesn't matter. A. Christian McCaffrey turns out can carry the load. B. McCaffrey, Kamara, Austin Eckler. A. All these guys are dynamic and as valuable as like load carrying running backs to begin with. And B, every time one of them gets the shot to carry the load, it turns out they can. Austin Eckler's like two foot tall, weighs seven pounds, and was carrying the load as well as Melvin Gordon was in his absence. So stop. Like if that's if you come up and that's your my scouting report on player X, uh, you know he's he's great vision, amazing cuts, dynamic great weapon in the passing game can do it all i don't know if he can carry the load though so little slight. third rounder no no no, no. everything you had in the positive column is the reason we would take him early and your your negative column is is not relevant in today's nfl so kindly dismiss that
0: i would add to that i think the first question should be does the defense have to account for this guy can i line him up everywhere so I'm with you, man. Yeah, I mean, that's, that's McCaffrey, and that's Kamara, and that's Saquon. And that's all still
1: guys, a huge right? part of today's NFL is, does this guy cause you personnel
0: problems? And we've even said that even might be a little bit overrated, but it's still like a prerequisite for being a valuable running back. Yeah, I mean, the that's one that of those things where
1: players. I would genuinely, I, I don't know the answer to this, but I'd be curious if there's any way of quantifying just just pain in the ass factor for a defense. Like if every single play you have to pay attention to whether this guy has come on the field or not and adjust your personnel to that, it's annoying, if nothing else. It well, yeah. can't be a bad thing.
0: I think for an offense you just want you just want mismatches everywhere though, right? I and mean, maybe it a, is just annoying,
1: but I'm still all for that.
0: That's why when you have receivers who can get open, a tight ends that you're like, Oh, do I go linebacker, do I go safety, a running back, do I put a linebacker out there, do I actually keep a corner out here, do I play zone? Anytime it puts the defense in a bind, you've got some level of value there so So
1: mccaffrey now has 587 rushing yards which leads the nfl Uh, and as a receiver he has an additional 279 which is second among running backs first being austin eckler so he's basically again exactly like the player he was at stanford he is sort of chasing the all-purpose yard number like that's been the thing that's been his mo all the way through his career is that he does everything and he does everything really well right now he's our highest graded running back um what was interesting is that the other guy i think in the conversation for just stupid dominance individually is dalvin cook who had a pretty good game himself yesterday but his grade is going to get shafted by two fumbles right Um, but he
0: ran the ball really well yeah
1: and caught the ball really well like that game was was every time you looked up that game was Dalvin Cook getting yardage he shouldn't have really speed. gotten. Just his speed, With speed, is, and the ability to make people miss. But I,
0: th- I just is thought his crazy. speed to the edge, and, uh, the combination of both. Sure, he's able him, to like hit the awesome.
1: edge, sidestep a guy, and t- like toe tap down the sideline for another ten yards. He shouldn't be there, right? Um, so it was just interesting that you know everyone was losing their mind over the game Christian McCaffrey had, and it was incredible. But the other guy in the conversation, I think, is Dalvin Cook, who wasn't exactly anonymous yesterday either.
0: All right, let's move on to the Houston Texans t- beating the Atlanta Falcons. Damn it! I meant badly.
1: to watch. Uh, I meant to watch installment two of Deshaun Watson's diagram. Oh, I didn't watch it yet either.
0: Yeah, there was a second one. It's like the weekly thing. I
1: like he's he's going with the f- the closed fist motion. As... Oh, that's
0: pretty universal. You Yeah, too high, roll the single, and then you take the outside lane shot. Huh? That's that's pretty standard coach speak.
1: Okay. stuff. Yeah. I've never seen the, the close fist. I didn't see. Orchids. Let me, Sign let me just guess
0: that. what he said. So last week we had Carolina, and they were running a lot of two-high shell, and the whole middle of the field was really congested and closed. In Atlanta, they run a lot of one-high, but the middle of the field and deep and everywhere else was really open. So I just threw to those guys and had a perfect passer rating, and that's what happened. We scored 50. Threw the open guys. Yeah, it was big. Um, so, that's what I'm
1: guessing he said. Well, I can't check you because I haven't watched it yet. I mean, I could watch it now, but then you'd have to talk for a couple of minutes solo.
0: Single high, but when you play in Atlanta, it feels like they only have seven guys on the field. Yeah.
1: So this is the thing, right? Um, they hung fifty on Atlanta. Now, okay, there was, it it was, was a pick, pick six, six. in there, so like you know, they were basically had their way with them. Um, the Falcons, like that, that hot, that
0: seat, coaching seat, has got to be getting pretty warm at this point. Yeah, man, it's it's a weird dynamic because we. They were very – we compared them to the Bears before when you just looked at this roster and you're just like, there doesn't appear to be any major holes there. Now, we've said opposite Desmond, Font, there are some issues in coverage. Now, Font had a bad game. Jonathan Ciprian, who they just signed, had a rough game on 24 snaps. Ricardo Allen, Isaiah Oliver. I mean, there were bad grades across the board. This one's already up on premium stats 2.0 if you guys have elite. Demonte Casey, uh, all these guys, poor. So the back end has been a disaster. This is one of those games. Deion Jones is the only guy that had a good coverage. Yeah. They have not covered well uh-huh. at all. And, yeah, Dan Quinn's a defensive coach. And he's coming into the season said he's going to have his hand in the defense a lot more.
1: Yeah, so well, that's the problem, off. right? He's basically taken over the defense. So yeah. when you identify a scapegoat, throw them under the bus, and things get worse, you've, you've kind of run out of options, right? Yeah. There's no, there's very, it's very difficult <clears throat> to deflect blame at that stage. So, aha, I've identified the problem. It's this guy right here, and we're going to eliminate it. And then things get worse. Yeah, it's not it's good. It's like, uh, okay, if that wasn't the problem, at that point, the crosshair is, yeah.
0: Hmm. We argued with uh, Falcons fans a little bit earlier this year. Again, when you go into the draft and you ha- and you feel like you have to fill holes, and they felt like they needed to just pick a right guard and a right tackle with the first two picks. Yeah, how's that two work The first out? rounders? And we said, look, the Falcons still have like a bottom third offensive line until we know more about their rookies. The O line has been bad. JJ Watt had ten pressures. DJ Reeder continues. This is his fourth straight top notch game. Ninety points. Really straight, good. Looking really good. So the Texans' defensive front is legit. Zach Cunningham making plays all over the place. And I know they still gave up a chunk, you know, chunk of points and all that stuff. But there was a little bit of garbage time in there and everything. So. Um, Atlanta's O-line off, I mean the, the, the whole, there's just something off there because off, even without the offensive line, they still have enough offensive talent to be better. The defensive talent probably should be a little bit better or, or am I just overrated? I mean I, maybe just because the whole secondary has enough question but the, they're on the bottom end of expectations yeah. in general. I think, I mean, it's kind of
1: like the Bengals where there's more individual talent there than they're currently showing. Yeah, um, I'm not, like As I said, it's very difficult to find scapegoats left at this point.
0: Deshaun Watson had a very good game. I don't know if we're going to have to explain ourselves this week. Uh -uh. Russell Wilson's going to have a higher grade than him. I think that's fair. He has a higher grade. Deshaun Watson had a fumble that bounced right back up to him. Um, And he actually, believe it or not, he went 28 for 33. Missed a couple throws. He on there. Because some guys' incompletions are worse than others. So... Watson had an 88.7 grade, which is still very, very, very good, but maybe not as good as the perfect passer rating or whatever. He just missed whatever 157 rating. Or whatever no, I did was. have perfect. Was it perfect? Yeah. Um, maybe not as good as that would indicate. Um, so Watson coming out, Dabo Sweeney, his coach, said he's Michael Jordan. He gave him. He gave this. You know, he's a winner. He just finds a way to get it done and all that stuff. And I do believe there's something to through the years the Brady's and Rogers and breezes and all those guys that have like elevated their game, especially when they've been doubted and think about all those guys had some level of like doubt instilled. Oh, I was drafted late or I fell in the first round. If you're Rogers, whatever it is, Watson's coming off this terrible game where we said he pro- he left 150 yards on the field and had a bunch of turnover worthy plays and all this stuff. And they had this video of him like working out after the game and saying, this is unacceptable or whatever. Now, yes, you're going up against the Atlanta Falcons who have made other guys look good. Do you think there's something to Watson in this? Does he have that like high-end, never-doubt-me factor where you just kind of expect that superstar ability to kind of bounce back? Does that all make sense?
1: Yeah. I was thinking about him the other day. And I think he's kind of... He's almost like Patrick Mahomes, except he is, he has these random sort of
0: off games he does and last year he had a few and they don't always right so i think like
1: he's one of the few quarterbacks capable of doing the same kind of crazy things that mahomes does not quite they like utterly absurd like right. sling into your left you know all the way across you like the ridiculous stuff that physically i don't know that anybody else can do but in terms of just so much stuff you're like i don't know how you stop that like, that's undefendable, what he's currently doing. Yeah, like,
0: outside of structure plays, right. things like and that. and yeah.
1: consistently. Like, the stuff right. that you shouldn't be able to do well consistently, he's able to do a lot of. You know, the in this situation, most quarterbacks cannot sustain this, and yet he is. But he does have these random stinking games that Mahomes doesn't really have last night, notwithstanding. Um, So that was kind of where I came down on this, is that he is basically as freaky talented as almost anybody in the league – but just has unexplained um, blips in that. That is why I think consistently our grades kind of ding him slightly from where everybody else is. Because again, it's like, it's like the mental highlight reel. What's the mean here, right? I'm going to throw out the stuff at either end and just concentrate on the middle. So we, all everybody remembers is what he's capable of doing. And if he had a random crappy game along the way, it's like, wow, yeah, we can, can, we'll, we'll give him one. So, well, okay, that's fine. You can give him one, but we're counting it, so it's going to pull him down slightly.
0: Yeah, I'm gonna again. I think I'm going to write up all the quarterbacks where the stats and the grades just don't match up perfectly. Watson's going to be on that. You know, look, he's not a hundred twenty passer rating guy this year, or whatever he's at. So because of, because of the fumbles and he's had a lot of passes that should be picked that haven't. But man, he was awesome yesterday in that game against the Falcons. A couple more to get through here. Uh, Packers Cowboys. Another fascinating game here. Yeah. Dallas looked off offensively. So let's start with this. What did I text you
1: about? Jair Peters.
0: Jair looks like the new Marcus Peters. I think that's harsh. He's make, he gave up over 200 receiving yards, and it should have been more because the interception that he had, he gave up a ton of ground and it got dropped into his hands yeah. for a pick. He was getting torched left and right, but he still got his hands on two other passes besides that pick. It's he still gets really, his hands on a
1: lot. Really hard for NFL defensive backs to deal with double moves. It's just I know. It's plus Amari Cooper is one of the best route runners in the NFL. I know. I just think that's harsh. That's all I'm saying. Oh man, It's just he just gave up a ton. He did. Gave up a Bad ton game. in that game. wasn't a good game.
0: Weird game for Dak. Every time he had some unlucky interceptions. He had ones that should have been picked that were dropped. But man, he dropped some dimes down the field too. Yeah, some really nice big time throws. Um, and he should have thrown what it could have been a game ending interception in the end zone that had nothing to do with two penalties that occurred on the play and that got negated. Just a crazy game overall. I don't know. If there's
1: any player that has a more significant drop off. Than their left tackle situation, Tyron Smith to anybody they put out there other than Tyron Smith right. um, in this game it was Cameron Fleming. But it might as well be this like it's the same story regardless. Every single time they trot somebody out, it's an absolutely unmitigated disaster. Whereas Tyron Smith, you know, may not be the absolute all human superstar that some people uh, make him out to be. But he's really good. Really good. Yeah. And everybody behind him appears to be abysmal. Um, this week, like all like four out of five Dallas offensive linemen, not counting who had to come in for uh, Lyle Collins when he got hurt, graded well. And then Fleming, bad, gave up a sack, a hit, four hurries. Um, it's just amazing, uh, A, how they haven't been able to upgrade a backup left tackle, given how consistently banged up Tyron Smith is, and B, how you don't help the guy. Like, at this point, you know, right? right? It's not like this is a surprise. Wow, the backup plan is terrible. Like, as soon as he's down, you know, uh-oh, we need to we need to change everything because the backup left tackle is awful. So he should not have a one-on-blown block all game. There should be help every single play because you know what happens when there isn't. Yeah. The end. And, yeah, that's not the case.
0: Kellen Moore losing a little luster after the last couple of weeks or – Think he's still doing all right. Well, this was our question heading into it, right? Is so. Here's the thing: I like uh, even when you fall behind, I like it from Dak too. They stayed really aggressive and almost got themselves back into that game. Um, a lot of teams don't necessarily do that. I mean, I don't, I don't, th- I don't know if there's anything from a play-calling standpoint where I'm just like, all right, they're they're losing it. They're just not as good as those first three weeks looked against the Redskins, Giants, and Dolphins. True. Um, I think
1: this was the worst game of Leighton Vander Esch's career. He got... Just missing tackles in space. Left and he there, got right, pretty right. much victimized by uh, Aaron Jones, who looked
0: really good. That's who I wanted to talk about next. Did the Pat? We talk, We always talk about... It's tough to do analysis when it's like, coaches know this too, and they adjust. Like, this is the answer to the, hey, the Packers didn't run the ball in the inside the five enough the other day against the Eagles. Well, they went the other way. They kept giving the ball to Aaron Jones, who just looked really he looked good in space as a receiver but also short area you know red zone rushing and all that stuff four rushing touchdowns that was a really nice job by him
1: it was he looked pretty phenomenal i i don't know why but he doesn't look as stupid athletic as he clearly is oh yeah like he's able right. to do crazy like you know dalvin cook just kind of looks insanely athletic and yeah, fast fast um jones doesn't but he is and i don't know if that same thing happens to defenders when they're coming up to deal with him It's like, ah, he doesn't look that impressive. And then, oh, crap. He just went right the way around the outside. Like Byron Jones came down for one of those touchdowns and had him. Like, had outside leverage, had contain. Jones just went around the outside of him then waves at him on on his way past. Like, Byron Jones is one of the most freaky combine athletes in the history of the combine and got made to look like an idiot by a guy he clearly just didn't think was that athletic.
0: Yeah. Yeah, Jones was fantastic. Um, early in the game Aaron Rodgers had some you know old school Aaron Rodgers type plays there still is this weird dynamic where the second half passing game just doesn't look like the first half you know if, if Green Bay could put that second half together and I know Jones was great and they they ran the ball pretty well but if Rodgers could just play better in the second half if they could find a way to throw the ball a little bit better in the second half I mean they they would run away with this game against Dallas
1: yeah I mean this should have been well out of control like they got a monster lead what a halftime 17 nothing yeah um and then kind of allowed the cowboys to chase their way back into it um but it, it's hard to say that it, the game wasn't as close as it ended up being because honestly dallas could have got that legitimately back to being like they had a shot to win this late and then yeah. ultimately found a way to mess it up again but it felt like it should have been out of
0: control pretty early right um what what do you want to glean out of this? Because we talked. Are the Packers the best team in the NFC? No. That's the question. Who is the best team in the NFC?
1: I don't know. Saints, Saints maybe. Eagles. When you assume that, that uh, Drew Brees is coming back, the Eagles have a legitimate case because they were never as bad as their record to begin with started. Um, And, you know, our, our buddy Eric Eager claims the Lions are the best team in the NFC North. So I'm not buying that yet. I mean, I'm not either because it's the Lions, but he's not crazy when he makes the case.
0: Yeah, I think, I just think the Packers, the Packers still have Aaron Rodgers. Yeah. Eagles with Wentz, right? Who's Saints really with Breeze. Well. I mean, to me, that's the difference than, say, like last year where the Bears are overachieving with Trubisky at quarterback and all that stuff. Like the, the high end of the NFC again this year feels loaded. Yeah. And it's going to be, uh, it's going to be quite the battle down the stretch. Mm-hmm. I know we're 7 We're, whatever, however many days removed from the Packers, just losing to the Eagles at home and all that stuff. But um, they're having a nice season so far. Yeah. All right, let's wrap it up. Denver Broncos get their first win at the Los Angeles Chargers. This was another one that was kind of unexpected. So the Broncos get out to a huge lead or a big lead early. Rivers throws a stinking pick, which didn't help matters. He also now has his, I don't know if the one in Detroit was considered an end zone interception, but week one he throws an end zone interception against the Colts. He had an end zone interception late against Denver. I mean, yeah, against Denver yesterday. He's just had some really untimely picks, and he was just missing throws.
1: He was just really off. yesterday. This was like Rivers is kind of like Deshaun Watson, and then every now and again he just has this, like, bum game. You're like, what the hell happened to Phillip Rivers today? That was this game, right? It's like, what is wrong with him? Normally the guy is absolute money, and then you just have this occasional stinking game. You're like, what is wrong with him? And this was the game. We're all it. the way through it. You're like, what is wrong with Philip Rivers? Why is he not connecting with the guys he normally connects with? Why is he throwing the ball directly to Denver players? Stop it! This is not Philip Rivers. Where is he? Bring him back, <laughs> because this game is going bad.
0: Giants just can't win. What with happened, Golden Gordon? Wow, that's it. No, so Rivers was a disaster. Flacco made some nice throws early, but you know Denver turned it over a bunch of times too. Yeah, to let the Chargers back in it, well, so the,
1: they're not very good.
0: It was again a weird game because the Chargers defensively early, it's like what's going on. Court, they couldn't tackle Cortland Sutton on that seventy-yard touchdown and all that stuff. But then they played a much better game after that, and yeah, it just wasn't just an odd, just one of those odd outcomes. Maybe the Chargers just aren't that good.
1: Um, Von Miller was—I I don't want to say he was—he wasn't bad. Right, he was good, in fact. Um, but no sacks, no hits, seven hurries. Like the, if there was an offensive line, we were like, all right, this is Von Miller's going to come back this week and legitimately feast because it's the Chargers. Yeah, and they're playing like Sam Tevy. Um, like this, he wasn't the wrecking machine he's usually been. Like his his start to the season has been uncharacteristically okay. Yeah, like he's been consistently generating a reasonable amount of pressure, but he hasn't been an absolute force the way he has been throughout his entire career. Like the dude has averaged something like eighty-five total pressures a season, which is basically averaged a league-leading amount of pressure. Yeah, it's crazy for his career
0: since uh, t- since twenty eleven. I mean, just an extended period right. of elite play.
1: This season so far, he's got twenty-three total pressures through five games. So a less than eighty-five. Right, a so. reasonable degree short of that you're trying to make me do math in my head well i was i, I certainly wasn't going to attempt it i was just I, you i left the door open for you to take a stab at it I If mean, you it
0: it's not terrible but it's yeah it's not the same but it's a
1: significant downswing bottom. um and those are coming like without the sacks again like sacks are never a great way of measuring pass rush but there's something to a guy that like consistently nails 15 every year
0: yeah but you're usually gonna have the thing is you're usually gonna have that like here's a 2.1 second win where the quarterback just had no shot. I mean,
1: if you look at his career uh, of the the seasons where he's played, you know, basically all the time, 13 sacks, 20 sacks, 15, 17, 14, 10, 16, right? So he's averaging like 15 sacks a season, essentially. And this season, he's got two through five games. So, again, that's just way off where he normally is.
0: Are you giving up on the Chargers?
1: Am I giving up on them? Um,
0: Hmm. No,
1: not within that division. I mean, it depends. What's the... For the Super Bowl?
0: Well, I don't know. I mean, we thought it was, you know, Chiefs are the favorite, but the Chargers will give him a run. Did Philip, was Philip Rivers? So, Rivers, if you look at last season, you know, he was getting MVP hype yeah. through, through 12 or 13 weeks. And it was his best season since about 2012 or 11, definitely not 12, uh, maybe since 2010. Was that more a blip? Rather than, hey, Philip Rivers is that clear top eight to ten guy again? You know, has he dropped off a little bit? Because, yeah, he's doing what you know he like you said in previous seasons, he'd have those games, right? Kansas City four picks and stuff like that. And last year he avoided him for a while, and this year he's kind of reverted back to man. Like, what are you doing, Philip? A bunch of times.
1: I just don't think this team is talented enough for them to legitimately compete for a Super Bowl. I think that in between injuries that they've already lost guys, that offensive line, I'm never buying into a team. For a legitimate Super Bowl that has a crappy offensive line, I'm just not sold. Right? I think if I'm shooting at the percentages, I would take a team like the Eagles or the Patriots or a team that you're confident in their offensive line. Patriots' line's not good. It's not good, but it's not a disaster. Um, Confident in their offensive line at least not being the reason they're losing games uh, over the long haul. Like the Chargers have a pretty terrible offensive line. It's one of the worst. One's out there. Somehow, in this season, it's not like the very worst because the season has been like a cataclysm of terrible offensive lines. But I think it's the thing that's bad enough to prevent them winning against the best teams. That makes
0: sense. But they might make the playoffs again. Oh yeah, they could still make a run. I think Rivers has to has to play better than he has. Um, That's it for this week. By the way, I didn't realize we've got. uh, I saw. I didn't realize we got the ticker going. Yeah, yeah, it's cool, right? Looks great, new ticker. That's nice. So, like, if my computer dies, mm, which, I could just look at the ticker. Well, it's assuming there.
1: we have all of the information on the ticker that you need us to have.
0: Just, like, scores and stuff like that. I told you it would be
1: too dark against the background, didn't I?
0: No, I think that's the tilt of our monitor. Uh, Ethan's, Ethan's nodding. But yeah, this yeah. ticker's
1: going in live. It's not, like, post-production. I, I could have changed my shirt. It's in live. I know.
0: Well, we hope everybody enjoys all the production live here on the YouTube channel. Uh, if you're just listening to the podcast. Yeah, you don't have a ticker. Go check it out. I'll no take On for the you. YouTube channel. Give us some more views over there because it's really taken off. All right, guys. Week five is in the books other than Monday Night Football. Give me oh. your two seconds on. Uh, Who the hell is he playing? Browns and 49ers. Browns
1: man. and 49ers.
0: Baker and Jimmy. At 49ers? Yes.
1: Uh, okay. Hmm. This is it's a litmus test game, Steve, for the oh, 49ers. Is that what it is? I think the Browns are a reasonable enough team to give the 49ers a legitimate litmus test. Litmus test game. Uh, I think they're going to pass the litmus test. Do they
0: have a chip on their shoulder, though?
1: No. no, no, no. Okay. Um, I think they're going to pass the litmus test. I think their defense is good enough to make a mess out of the Browns' offensive line, cause their problems, make them look a little bit more like the Browns in the first few weeks, and then I think their offense will be good enough to get, you know, enough done. All right. I think they'll win. The Browns? No. The 49ers? Yes. Sorry. Passing the litmus test. Gotcha.
0: They would be uh, the only three undefeated teams.
1: Left, right. I don't think you even do you pass a litmus test or is it just one, like one way or the other it it's just, just a thing right just, it's like pass fail but it just it identifies a specific property it's not like a like it's not a good thing necessarily it's just that's what it is I don't know but this is the worst analysis on the podcast okay
0: big test Monday Night Football good thing it's the end of the check yeah. it out Baker and Jimmy G yeah to me that's the storyline the Browns wanted both guys who's better they wanted Jimmy G too uh, okay then they never would have had Baker Sure. So there you go. We'll check it out. Litmus Test, Monday Night Football. Thanks for tuning in. We'll be back on Wednesday on YouTube, Thursday on your favorite podcast listening device. See you guys. Quick break to tell you guys about NFL Game Pass, the only way that you can replay every game all season long. You can relive all the gutsy calls, crazy catches, wild comebacks, and breakout stars from every game every week. It's all the action, all the football you can handle. All in one place. So every game that we're talking about right now, you guys can rewatch it after the fact. I'm going to be going back and you guys can too. go check out Lamar Jackson in week one. Go check out Dak Prescott and what that Cowboys offense actually did. Go check out Kyler Murray and his NFL debut. That's my favorite thing about NFL game pass. You can go back and watch at any time. And if you haven't watched a condensed game yet, You have to try it out. It's every play from the game back to back to back so you can replay an entire NFL game in the fraction of the time it normally takes. It's how I'm able to follow all the MVP candidates, all the breakout stars, and, of course, your waiver wire pickups all season long. To see all the action this season and stay on top of all the big storylines, you need NFL Game Pass. Best of all, you can kick off the 2019 NFL season with a seven-day free trial of NFL Game Pass. Just sign up now at nfl.com slash pro football focus nfl.